When you're sitting in your in-room talking to your sword about all your deepest, darkest secrets, just be careful. They might be listening. This week, we'll be talking about sentient items, as well as how to implement them in your game, how you can make them unique to your adventure. Welcome to We Speak Common. Benjamin, I'm just, I'm just going to kick this off, mate. All right. All right. That is that is that is typical. Excellent. I mean, you know what, Ben? Should we start again? No, we're, we're rolling now. <laughs> this is what I've got to deal with on a daily basis when trying to create the magic. You're the one on call is, today. We speak common. Yes, Ben, but I'll, I'll edit that out. Well, I'll you'll edit, edit out. out. I told <laughs> I'll you. Do the hard I work. told you to edit that out. <laughs> okay. It's yes. Um, welcome to the only podcast that's for everyone because here we speak common. Oh, I like that. Thank like you. That. He just made that up. He didn't even I run did that by me before. Up. Just whew, straight in there. Straight off the top of the noggin, that one. Excellent. I might have to use that now from now on. That's why you get paid the big bucks. I don't get paid. No. Neither do you. No. Oh, this is off our own back. Well, I've actually lost my wallet this morning. That's unfortunate. I know. Should we talk about more important things? Yes, like magic items. Yeah. We touched last week on cursed items and uh, answered some questions specifically on how to deal with them how to implement them and as a player like what you should be feeling and thinking towards items because it's hard to pick them up not literally pick them up but to to realize sometimes it's hard to pick them up sometimes it is sometimes they're like mjolnir and um you're just not worthy mate sorry it's pretty cool but we were talking about you know a lot of cursed items the the big ones uh the big guns like the the uh, artifacts yeah yeah yeah, in the uh monster manual that they are sentient they have personality Mm. now that can mean a lot of things it can mean anything from they're actually talking to you like an npc um in your mind which is pretty cool um or they can just sort of be like a just a feeling you get um yeah an uneasiness perhaps whenever you're doing stuff that the like um i can't remember what it's called but there's one in the monster manual which is like this elven longsword mm-hmm. and it it's all based on alignment and stuff like that as to how you you line up with it and mm-hmm. and it, it wants you to do specific things in line with its own alignment and when you do or don't, you get sort of different feelings from the uh, the sword, which is pretty cool. Yeah, there are a, there are lots of famous quote unquote sentient items. Um, one that I can think of off the top of my mind is like the the Ring of Winter is a sentient magic item. So it's a ring that you wear on your hand, and it in it, I think it's every twenty four hours you have to do some form of check. I think it's either const- constitution or maybe wisdom I'm not sure one of the two and um, it can like it, it basically corrupts you if you if you fail if, you, if you're not strong enough to withhold it, it it corrupts you and it's want and will is to just turn the world into an ice palace basically um, kind of be like Frozen it, it's, like, it's like the Elsa of the Forgotten Realms it's, um, it's an evil quote unquote artifact that just kind of it's, it's got like an elven history and it's got a whole history but the sentience comes from feelings and um uh, and urges so like if you get taken over it your dm might not tell you you've been taken over by the ring but you might you might be told you've got the urge to do something a bit more drastic than you normally would mm-hmm. um and things like that well i, I really like i think i think I've, I've seen it run with a voice as well yeah well that's the thing you can really modify a lot of these uh the base ones in the monster manual i've only ever really used my own creations in my own game mm-hmm. like in the one i'm running at the minute there is one sentient item which is an eyeball uh, which one of our yeah. players has in their head 
I mean, if if you if you were told, oh, it's a magic eyeball, and you rip your eye out and put it in, you've kind of, I mean, you deserve what you get, to be honest. Well, I was surprised because I often do this thing. I've spoken about it a little bit before. When, whenever I start a new campaign, I'm mm. DMing. Mm. I always like to chuck in a really powerful item really early on right at the beginning really early on but it, I, I, I never tell any of the players about it I don't make it obvious Oftentimes, like I had one time where the players just had to go and kill a bunch of kobolds for this wizard and recover some of his items that were nicked from yeah. his cart one of which was a sword um, it, and it was like a plus three legendary longsword they didn't know that so they just gave it back to him which was fine That's and fun. then it comes up later on in the campaign and they're like oh damn oh, I should have kept that and this one was very unlikely for you to find it was all, it, the eye was actually in the body of a white mm. like it was it would already replace one of the white's eyes mm. um, that you were fighting in this mine and so it was only because you did. I think someone did like a detect magic or something, or found it. Yeah. It was. Um. It was unlikely that you were going to find it. I thought it, and it probably wouldn't have ever come up again. But it just would have been something fun I had in my notes that I could chuckle at later on. But <laughs> then you did find it as a magic eyeball, and uh, I thought, okay, well, they're definitely not going to give it to you. Take like their you, own you eye actually, out, no, yeah. you actually have to take your own eye out. Um. But the players, being as power power hungry as they were, just. He went so, for it, didn't he? Screw it, let's do it. Yeah, he went and for just, it. And uh, just chucked, it, chucked it in there. still don't trust that eyeball. It was actually fortuitous as well, because it, it was sort of a bit of a ritual to do it, but you guys had made contact with a uh, wizard guy who was he, he was keen to do it, just to sort of see... What would happen. What would happen, yeah. yeah. He didn't really know. Um, <laughs> and you still don't really know what's happening. Um, what I really like about that item is the... The this one speaks right, so yeah. it's it's a it's got a full personality. It's an NPC essentially. And when we say speak, we mean telepathically. It yeah. doesn't have a mouth. No, none of the other players know it speaks. No, only only, only the player that's got it in his head. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but the interesting part about it, I thought, was the 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 eye doesn't know what it is or where it came from. It doesn't have a history. It really does. It really wants to know. Yeah, he's badgering the player to help it find like research, out. Research. Yeah, but it doesn't know. But what's fun is. To make that a little bit unique, the uh, the eye is beginning to learn more and more about um, Erebus, the characters who's wearing the eye's mind, mm. he's, and he, so he's delving deeper and deeper as their minds sort of meld. Because mm. if you think about it, their their brains or brains, I guess in quotes, are right next to each other in his head. They are one, and he, Erebus is beginning to learn more and more about the eye. So their personalities are beginning to kind of meld together as yeah. time goes on and just become one and it could go depending on what the player does um, how the NPC reacts to certain things it could go a lot of different ways mm. a lot of different ways um, and that's what's interesting I think about sentient items in general is because if you're running a chaotic good character or even a lawful good character that doesn't stop them from picking up a lawful evil sentient item and then you've got this weird like mix of emotions and and Oftentimes, I've seen characters who are straight up lawfully good say, I'm going to keep this item to stop it from falling in any of the wrong hands and corrupting someone. And that becomes its own story arc in itself. Um, in Tomb of Annihilation, where the Ring of Winter is most prominent published adventure-wise, um, there's a character who is holding it because he's the only person who can stop it from taking over his mind. And that's great, and the characters can 
have any form of relationship with that guy. I look forward to uh, taking it off his hands. Exactly. When, when we play that adventure. And and in doing that, you're either doing something good because you too can withstand it. No, or I'm you're... playing an evil character into Are you going to? Yeah. Are you? It just feels thematic, you know. Okay. Zombies and undead and whatnot. Yeah. It just feels, feels right. But um, yeah, and I really like that. That can come create some really interesting gameplay opportunities like I spoke about um, kind of having a, like a corrupted Holy Avenger before in our Cursed Times uh, discussion but even if it's not cursed mm. it'd be interesting to get a lawful good paladin to wield it and the, like the paladin's mission is one to make sure it doesn't fall into any of the wrong hands and two to try and purify this once holy now um decrepit and evil powerful magic item but then the, so the magic item is constantly trying to get the paladin to do bad things yeah. or if you've got a clever DM trick the paladin into, into doing, doing bad, bad things, things. Yeah. And, the, and the paladin <laughs> is trying to trick the sword into doing good things to try and bring out its latent um, goodness if you will from yeah. what it once was so you can have this the, I mean you can literally just be arguing with your sword you know um, perhaps I might even do something, say, if it's normally a plus three sword, mm. I would, uh, depending on what the player does with it, remove or add pluses, depending on what, if it's something the sword wants to do. Like the sword's sort of fighting against you or working with you to do something. That's interesting. So, for instance, if... Um, uh, the, so you've got like an evil sword but a good paladin and you want to go and fight a um, red dragon, right? The evil red dragon, typical. Mm. And the sword's like, no, I'm not going to help you do that. So it doesn't provide any of its bonuses and it's, it's playing up. So then it's up to the paladin to try and convince that killing the red dragon is actually a, a chaotic and evil thing to do. And that's what that's why we're doing it. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. Uh, or you play to the the innate sense of goodness within the sword, like, and and say, you know, come on, I'll try to... Or, yeah. loads of people. You start, having, to, you start yeah. having persuasion checks with your own equipment, which, <laughs> which I think is fun. And it's it's interesting as well because a lot of characters, a lot of sentient times, you can't know the sentient unless you're attuned to them or you're wielding them. So you get this weird dynamic between one player and his cloak and like Doctor Strange and all the other characters don't know what's going on or, or really understand it. I really like the Doctor Strange one um, because that's what makes sentient items interesting is that Normally, you attune to a magic item and you are the wielder of that item. And it does what you, you want. You have full control over that item. But yeah. like the Doctor Strange cape and stuff like that, it doesn't always behave or do what you want it to do. It will act sometimes what it thinks is your best interest, but not necessarily what you want it to do. Yeah. A flying cape is a really good one because it, it controls your movement, mm. which is a fun one. <laughs> so it can just take you places you don't want to go. It'd be an interesting item to put into a game. I don't know how well... I don't know whether that would... Like I don't know how that would work because you'd have to have a, you'd have to give it to a player that was willing to to have that kind of relationship with with you as the DM mm -hmm. taking control away from them in in a way mm -hmm. um, or or just be willing to just be left to its own devices and see what happens. Kind of I thing. always try if I'm going to do something like that. I want to reward the player at the end of it. So for yeah. instance, it will be okay. Yes, this cape is playing up and stuff. But if you can develop a really good relationship with it, it'll do what you want. It's going to do what you want, and it will be able to fly even faster. Mm. Or like the, the Holy Avenger, like if you're good, you know, if you finally convince it to be good and purify it and whatnot, then it has even more awesome powers, you know, because you're synced with it. The Doctor Strange cape isn't a hard one to make either. There are um, there are loads of rules in the DMG about making sentient items, and of course. As ever, they are just rules that you can decide to ignore and, and do what you want with it. But 
it's pretty much down to right. Here's my item. What do I want it to do? Give it its abilities. Give it, make it a magic item first, and then add its, its its sentience on top. So decide whether you want it to have a voice, whether you, what emotional state you want it to have. Um, is it what alignment is? Is it good or bad? And then the thing that I always forget is you have to roll stats for these uh, these items. Like they need a wisdom and a charisma. Um, they might need a strength if it, if the cape's going to try and pull. Yeah, especially someone. if you're trying to do like uh, oppose persuasion mm-hmm. checks yeah, or exactly. what have you. So it's pretty, it's not difficult, it just takes a little bit of extra thinking. You have to just know what, what you want from your item. Um, and there's levels to it as well. I've got, you've got a sentient item in my game. Um, your family heirloom, Lawbringer, mm. has a conscience to And that's it. kind of different because it doesn't really talk no. as such. It so just, that's that's one of the more simple ones. just gives me dodgy feelings all the time. That would be why you say that. Yeah, so you, you, the sword will react to how uh, to the things that you do um, by by giving you an emotional feeling mm. so it might be, you might feel disappointment well I put it down the other day and, and it, it was, didn't like that didn't like that I was disappointed yeah yeah. Then I you put it I, down I quickly picked it back up again I, I didn't like it either no and that's the thing as well the, the, that can add an extra level because if you're just doing something as simple and I think sometimes the simple things are the more complex in a way because just by having an item that just throws an emotion into you, suddenly your player thinks, oh, I'm feeling this way, I need to act that way. Mm-hmm. And it changes your player, whereas if you've got an item that just says, whoa, pick me back up, I don't like this, they mm-hmm. can just ignore that because that's just someone talking to them. Um, but giving them the the uh, tactile sort of something they can take and run with and, and portray, I think that adds more, and it makes your sentient items just a bit more meaty yeah and I think like um, like I guess the best sentient item in literature I can think of is the ring from Lord of the Rings yeah because again it doesn't talk to Frodo but you can see how much of a, an immense effect it weighs on his soul as, as yeah. they go through that adventure and uh, mechanically you could see like it's giving him uh, levels of exhaustion mm-hmm. um, because he's not giving into it in, in any way yeah he continues fighting he's continued fighting um and that's a good way to try and entice a player to be a bit bad. It's a good way to entice a player to be a bit good. Oftentimes in the DMG, if you have, say, like a lawful good magic item, mm. it just won't work with a with an a, evil alignment. With an evil alignment, yeah. or it will just damage that evil alignment. Like, yeah. this, like you just can't. It's just not optimized to wield. I don't like that. I would like it if, say, a chaotic evil. Um, wizard or something right yeah hmm. got a sentient let's just say a sentient um lawful good wand right mm-hmm. that's infused with its its creator's purpose or whatever right so instead of the it just not working the wand is constantly trying to turn that player onto a better path mm-hmm. you know so if you um you could do fun stuff like you try and the player tries to disintegrate someone with the wand that's one it spells but it, it casts like mass cure wounds instead, instead or something yeah. Yeah. you know like but obviously again not taking control away from the player all the time but in key moments obviously you've got to have a bit of nuance with this as DM because yeah. talking about this before I, I don't I try to always keep my players in control as much as possible so I'll always and I'd foreshadow this stuff up front with maybe some very minor effects that yeah like gonna... it can't it can't be a random like you can't the, world, the wand can't do what they want for this so long and then suddenly it doesn't it has to always be there it has to be a, an ongoing relationship and something that, that's been built to yeah well maybe it's just uh, more like minor effects say if you're um, you you cast 
like invisibility on yourself and you're sneaking around to someone's house and you can steal some stuff then uh, the wand just like cancels that invisibility inopportune moment yeah just does yeah, something right in front of the guards um, you can do really fun stuff like uh, it can be used for a lot of comical effect as well you know in, in precarious role play situations and stuff but I really like I think I I don't know. I think they're both equally valid. The 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 ones that talk and the ones that just give you a feeling. Like yeah. that wand one. I'm imagining he doesn't talk to you. He just does this stuff, and it's more of a. It's it's almost like the conscience in the back of your mind that mm-hmm. no, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, yeah. Which is fun. Uh, like the, I do this somewhat in um, my game with the eye in that, because in the DMG a lot of these items are either really good or really bad. Mm. You know. Um, it's do like, you mean? Do you like, mean- like I mean, in terms of alignment, right? Yeah, so, okay. um, you know, you've got this uh, dwarven axe, and it's like, okay, if you see, if it sees an orc, it wants you to kill it immediately, no matter what. Blah blah blah. Yeah. It's a little bit. Um, I would say some of them lack nuance, and sometimes that's fun. Yeah. Um, but I like the ones that are a bit. So my eye kind of started off like that. It was pretty chaotic. Um, whenever it sees dodgy like warlock magic, like one of the other party members does, it really likes that. It likes mm-hmm. the the devil, evil death cult stuff <laughs> yeah. for reasons you know the players typical may, evil stuff. The players may or may not find out. But as time's gone on, it's Erebus's personality, which is generally like chaotic good. I would say has rubbed off on him, mm-hmm. and his personality's rubbed off on Erebus a little bit. Erebus is a little bit more chaotic now, um, and he just jumps into the fray as opposed to thinking about it a bit much which mm-hmm. is what the eye wants so they're kind of melding their personalities and I haven't really had to force this it just kind of happened I and think I, it's quite I, interesting as well like I, I just to jump in I wonder how much of a, a difference Erebus's player sees between him now and the beginning of the game because when I think about me and my characters I don't think about how different they are I don't see that change because I've been with them for the whole thing mm. it's kind of like when you lose weight you don't realise it but if you see someone you haven't seen for two months they'll be like wow you look really good you've lost yeah. those away it's like that it's a gradual thing so it'd be interesting to see if and to talk to his player and see if he thinks he's yeah. changed well here's the thing what I was going to say is I would I would say he probably doesn't realise it yeah. because I don't realise that the the eyes the, change the eyes change like yeah. I have you know a page on like one note where I write down all the stuff that happens to the eye and its feelings and stuff and if I was to look at that now from top to bottom, I would probably see a definitive change in oh, its motivations yeah. and stuff. But I haven't actively realised that. To me, it's the same character as it was day one. Yeah. But it's not, really. No, it's, it's developed. Things yeah. have changed a lot. Um, it's And that's good. That's how it should be. Yeah, and I think if you ever do find out sort of its origin or what it wants to know and, and stuff like that, that will change it even more so, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and... In terms of like power level, like it is a really powerful item. Um, I kind of I didn't nerf it, but it's it, its powers are unlocking gradually. Yeah, kind of like my sword is in in your game. Yeah, where um, it's getting different things. So like its its initial power is you can it's kind of like a a luck point say where if you roll a you roll a d20 you don't like it you can have another go mm-hmm. and it's sort of explained like the eye is seeing a, a potential future that it doesn't like so it's steering the user away, away, from, away that. from that one yeah um, now if I wanted to I haven't done it yet but I could say use that ability and if it was really falling out of Erebus it could pick the bad future to happen so he rolls <laughs> he rolls like a one I always don't like that rolls a 20 and the other's like no we're still taking the one yeah. <laughs> you know you're still getting you, you're still failing this jump over a cliff or whatever you know so I could do something like that I haven't felt the need to just yet but that might be fun um, that 
and I think that would work now because um, the relationship is established with the item. Mm-hmm. I think it would it would feel fair. Mm-hmm. It's not out of character for the item to do something like that. To disagree with the player yeah. and change things. Um, yeah. I've always, almost done stuff like that in the past where I've Airbus is trying to have like a an important conversation with an MP or C or something and the eye's just trying to distract him. He's just, just, he's just saying stuff and frustrating <laughs> it's him. It's like when, when you're trying to do maths and someone starts counting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just he's doing you know, and he's always always taunting him all the time. Yeah. Um so that's fun stuff you can do. I think as well with sentient items it's more fun to have their personality oppose the character because uh, I don't know, it's I think it's more fun playing something that's a little bit a little bit well, it's, it, it feels it good. feels too easy if, like they just get on with everything. They're just on board from day one. It's it's fine for the the item and the player to be a cohesive unit after you've had that arc of building that relationship. Mm. But it would because if not, it would almost be like just getting an NPC companion ward just come out of nowhere. who's like, I love you. I want to do everything for you. Let's go. Yeah. It, it just wouldn't feel earned. It it's would like, feel, mm, okay, thanks. It would feel strange. So, and if you, like, again, talking about like the MCU, like the first Thor film, if you just found Thor and he instantly, like Mjolnir was on board with him, he's worthy, definitely. You know, we spent a whole film with him trying to become worthy. Yeah. And then when he gets it at the end, it's like, it's a big moment. Satisfying. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's been long enough now. S- spoilers for Endgame. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, he, when are you we, have oh, a, Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are we, no, this are we is, really going to... Yep. Are you sure? Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to come out like a month after... Three weeks. Endgame. If you, I'm sorry, if you haven't seen Endgame in three weeks, you have bigger issues than this podcast, is all I'm saying. Okay. Um, all right. Okay, go but, on. Iron Man dies. Uh, yes, he does. But, I mean, not really what I was going to talk about, but... <laughs> <laughs> Just sorry. <laughs> I haven't said that out loud. I needed to grieve. <laughs> okay. Um, when Thor is uh, in a very depressive state and having panic attacks and all this stuff mm. and he's let himself go and he's just I feel really bad for saying that now he's just a, I feel he, so bad I feel really guilty it's fine they, we gave them ample warning I feel really guilty um, okay go on and he should you know he's he's in his worst state basically he thinks mm-hmm. he's depressive he's failed and he's let that get to him he's not taken failure as a positive let's put it that way yeah yet uh, through means in the film uh he has the opportunity to call me on here and it comes mm. to him he is and still he's, worthy. he's shocked that he's still worthy even after all this failure and stuff he's done now imagine if for instance like my sword can't be wielded by anyone else in, 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 in your game in your, in your bloodline it's not like me only where you can't pick it up but it becomes too heavy to really use effectively oh yeah if there, if there was someone who had a, an incredibly ridiculous strength like a pro, like a giant could probably wield it yeah. wield it but it wouldn't be effective no but to me it's like a feather even though it's like a yeah a it's great, like perfectly balanced great yeah exactly as all things should be oh absolutely yeah exactly yeah. yeah inevitable but um now for instance if uh something we had like you had something like that in your game and I think every time Galahad picks up that sword, mm-hmm. he feels vindicated because it still feels light to him. He yeah. still feels like he's in a... Because f- he never thought he could w- wield it because he is a bastard. He's not got the full bloodline. Mm-hmm. 
of Artorias. So when he wields it, he feels like it's a it's a vindication and a um, a sign of legitimacy, right? Yeah. And that's the same for Thor with Mjolnir, which is not quite a sentient weapon, but basically has the same properties as a sentient weapon. Effectively, yeah, Effect- without, without the consciousness. Yeah, it's more like Odin's just put some rules on it. But yeah. <laughs> essentially, for D&D is purposes... Parent it, locked the hammer. It is literally what that is. Yeah. But it... Um, for yeah, for those purposes, it is a uh, a sentient weapon, and so you see how great that is. Now, if Thor had just been worthy from day one at all times, when he's like, "Oh, I'm still worthy," it might have had some impact. But the fact that over time he's been worthy, then not worthy, then worthy again, now when he grabs it at his lowest moment, it's like much so much more powerful, you know? Yeah. So side a lot. Note, I think we need you need to earn it. Is yeah. what we're saying. Side note on that: there are a lot of people who are angry at the the redirection of Thor in Endgame, and the whole the whole payoff for that redirection is him still being worthy. Exactly. And and it, it really annoys me. It's almost like a body that. positive image. It's like yeah. you can still be fat and worthy. And like people are saying like, oh, it's not it's not good because the, all the jokes are against how fat he is, and like that he's got cheese with for blood and like like that. Yeah, but I'm like, how many? I'm like, but yeah, but I'm like, how many people have actually done that? Have gotten fat and obese and in a really terrible state or become alcoholic or drug mm. addicts or whatever? And then found because their way back. they've had a really you know bad yeah. experience. I mean. Thor literally lost every single person. His mum, his dad, his brother. Half his, of his population. His entire people got, like, yeah. genocided. Um, yeah. His home. And his entire failed. planet. And that's the thing, because in... in and then he could have sorted it all out. Because yeah, in, in Infinity War, he says, I- I'm the one who's meant to stop him, and if not, what else could go wrong? Well, he could fail, mate. He literally could have, but he wanted a moment for his ego, mm. and that, that cost him everything. Everything. And I think... That is the that is the point though because there is no from fat to thin montage in Endgame. No. He still defeats Thanos at the end with the help of everyone while he's a, a chunk, and that's rather than a hunk, and that's kind of the the point. Anyway, bit of a side note. I'm annoyed at people that don't like that direction. No, I didn't it, like the first time I saw it. I was a bit like, oh, okay, this is weird. And then the more I thought about it, the more it made it sense. Was an, no, it was an excellent character arc, yeah. and it makes sense. And I and like um, what be interesting to see. If I've it, spoken. If, to, I've spoken to people who have been in that similar situation, like put on loads of weight and yeah. stuff because of bad situations. And that that is representation. They are like, oh, yes, yeah, that's, that's real. It, that's I've it. I've done that. Yeah, literally yeah, yeah. done that. I, it'll be interesting to see if he stays that way in the next film that he appears in. Well, it's funny because they made a joke in Infinity War about um, Star Lord trying chubby. to get fit in it. Yeah. So uh, there's got to be some, there's gotta be some sort of like fitness also, montage. Also, saw a plot hole. You know how everybody returns exactly as they were when they died. Um, he comes back and he's not got a mustache. In Infinity War, he's got a mustache, and in Endgame, he doesn't. Some things get dusted forever. Well, I mean, it's probably for the best. <laughs> it was quite quite a 90s like porn stash thing going on it was scarish yeah anyway um, off of Endgame we're still talking about it now Um, sentient items back to where we were while we're talking about um, like the the you said earlier about how if they're evil sometimes like they just won't work for certain characters or if they're good they won't work for evil characters and how you don't like that going a little bit broader to just generally magic items I kind of feel that way when sometimes you find like a wand and it says it can't be used by anyone other than a wizard and a sorcerer and I'm like well it's a wand though it shouldn't surely the wand has the magic inside of it it's not challenging the magic of the person I don't mind it um, too much because I feel like with wands and staffs especially you're still casting the spell Mm. you're just using the energy stored in the one to do so okay. you know so it's like you still when you attune to it you get 
some of the knowledge like you get for instance i would say it's like this you you attune to it to it and you get the um you know you get the the, the physics spreadsheet of that one but yeah. you still got to know how to use excel and and use that spreadsheet to figure it out right, right and if you're okay. not always wizard you're not going to be able to do that okay same with like a um and i guess in, in a way it's still like it's the same with like a magic sword hmm. a wizard picks up a magic sword yeah they're attuned to it they can use it but they've probably not got a great strength so it's not going to be yeah. as as effective um that's fair and i i do really like actually with the the only i think the only real class that can do this in the game is the rogue thief subclass when it gets to like level 14 maybe mm. or something or 10 um they can use any magic item yeah and it's just like i guess they've stolen so much stuff they they're so used to having so trades. much stuff around them like magic items mm. and, and weird things they can just figure it out i like so i do like that that they're not a wizard but they've they've probably stolen so many wands in the past that they they've figured out <laughs> how to use them that's just like the assumption i yeah. think which is kind of fun um so I, I get what you're saying in some regards i i don't i generally don't like race restrictions yeah yeah i get that but some of these sentient I can't. Oh, isn't it like the Moon Sword or something like that? Um, is the Elven like artifact longsword um, in the Monster Manual? And DMG, uh, DMG. Sorry, yep. And it can only be used by Elves. So, and I get why because all its law and stuff is tied to Elves. Mm. And I would like that restriction, with like a caveat that there can be some exceptions so say for instance uh your your human fighter picks up the sword blah 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 they can't use it they mm. can't change it it's not it's not working but maybe when carrying that sword around they do something so heroic or they save some elves or something that the sword's like mm, you're not an elf but i'm okay with you or like an elf gifts the sword and yes exactly passes or, it on. yeah you have the sword um or maybe you have the sword it won't work and you so you try and gift it to like an elven paladin or something right and the paladin's like no no you keep it you have my blessing then the sword works, then the for, sword you. works for you yeah. so that can be fun and and yeah and I would say like even with like the wand restrictions and stuff if a player wants to use something so desperately badly I will perhaps create some means of them doing them if they want to work hard enough mm. towards it right okay so what are tips and tricks for creating and inserting slash implementing that's our favourite word of the week implementing sentient items i would say even if they're not talking like if they're just the sort of the feeling type or if they are vocal and more like an actual npc always treat them as an actual npc with motivations flaws beliefs fears what is there just like we were talking about villains uh, a few weeks ago and how you know they're going to have their own motivations but there's going to be underlying fears behind that 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 drive yeah. them in that direction what is the its history? Why does the this magic sword think the way it does? What are its fears, its drives, everything? Treat yeah. it like an actual NPC. Don't just put the, the sentient sword in because you think that'll be cool. Give it purpose. Mm -hmm. If it's got purpose, it will be an effective tool for you and the players to use to craft better stories and characters. Well, also, it. like just going back to that moon sword, like it's another really cool thing you can do. The moon sword gains abilities for every user it's had mm -hmm. it gets more powerful after each user's had it like these little runes uh, get inscribed on it mm -hmm. so what's cool is you could say like okay this magic sword started off as this and this was its personality but then it was wielded by an, a barbaric orcish warlord and that influenced it somewhat mm. and then that warlord died and it was lost and then it was found in the desert 
a hundred years later by a young halfling going on adventures mm. and it was used by him for a couple hundred years then it was lost again and then it was wielded by a he uh, a lich for a little while <laughs> like it was and then it was just stuck in some um, rock then it was just stuck in some dragon's horde for the past like thousand years listening to this red dragon moan on about its riches and mm. then it was found by the players mm. well each of those experiences is going to morph the that sort of personality yeah. just like it would an npc who's experienced all that stuff yeah so there's that can add some real nuance to it yeah give them a story give, it, them, it, give it, them something that, that give them a history it was shot like it shocks the players when you've got this old ancient elvish longsword and you're chatting away and then uh, all of a sudden you bump into a I don't know uh, an uh, old orc and sword's like oh well, yeah I, I understand this language I can translate for you and you're like what well okay <laughs> why sword how do you know that <laughs> when you're did you learn this yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so you can have fun stuff like that come up if you're struggling I think a tip is if you're struggling to come up with a decent sentence if you think if you're thinking I really want to put something in like this that that could be a new relationship and all that kind of stuff and, and this is inspiring you to do it then and you can't think of an idea, then look at the DMG and go through the the section that tells you how to build a sentient line, but also go through all of the ones that already exist. Look at the artifacts, because the artifacts section has a lot of stuff like this in there, like the sort of cast, I think, is one. I and mean, we're talking about swords a lot, but... Um, they are sort of the atypical. They are like the atypical, yeah. But like, have a look at them and read about them and um, get your ideas from that and, and remember that you could put in the the anything that the, you could put in the sort of cast but you could slightly change bits and bobs and change the name and then suddenly it's its own item you don't have to you know put in the ones that already exist take something that exists and modify it slightly if you're struggling to come up with something that's completely unique for you and your game and just roll with it and and see how it goes i think with there's a lot of things in D where i say you've got to really think about it before you do it but sentiums is one of those things where as long as you think the players would enjoy it and you would enjoy it just go for it and see what happens and if it's if it doesn't work out it's not the end of the world because there's always a way to take it away mm. or or the players might think you know what i want a new item and you can you can put in something a bit more shiny and a bit more powerful that they might replace it with the thing is you know ideally you wouldn't have that situation because you appreciate the special nature of it right yeah it's not if you, you treat oh, yeah, that's, tre- that's worst case treat it as something special and then the players will feel like it's it's special, mm. right? Put greater emphasis on it because it it is an important thing. The best the reason sentient items are so cool and stuff is because they're generally you're only going to come across maybe one or two a campaign, and so that yeah, that's another thing. They're not as common as magic items. No, because there there should be there should be something really important about them, right? And there should be a big payoff to them. And they should have meaning because they will have a, a grander influence on the campaign than just a normal magic item. I think something we should talk about as well is where the sentience comes from because it, it can be anywhere. An item could just be so magical that it's awakened. Like you can have awakened animals, awakened trees. You can have an awakened hat, like the sorting hat kind of thing. Mm. But they can also be actual um, people's souls and and. and essence that's been absorbed into an item um one of them that exists canonically in the forgotten realms that's at the top of my mind because i've been reading dragon heist is the um the black stuff so the black stuff is a wizard who uh, is appointed by i think they're appointed by the open lord of Waterdeep, and they basically are the top wizard in 
all of Waterdeep, they look after the city and they are called the Black Staff because of the uh, staff that they wield. And the, the, the staff itself is sentient and it has in it the original Black Staff's conscience and mind and so we have this thing of it not only being sentient having its own wants and wills but it's got its own history and it's got its own future because it's a person who realized that eventually kind of like they were like they realized they were going to die like most wizards do and instead of going i want to become a witch uh, a lich and i want to be evil they they said i want to continue and protect Waterdeep. so i can't forget i can't remember his name off the top of my head um it's something fantastical and so he uh, muses himself within fuses himself within the, the the staff and is always there to make sure that the person who wields them in the future does the right for the city and if that black staff stops being the good for the city the the staff unassumes itself so it's a special item because not only is it magical and powerful not only is it sentient has a history a past and a future goal but it also has the ability to decide whether the player that's holding it is good enough to use it mm-hmm. if your player decides that they're or decides to go down an, an evil path and the the item doesn't want to be part of that then it has the power to to stop that that's quite interesting the other extra part of the black stuff is that if you die when you're the black stuff your soul does not go onto the next plane of existence it goes into the staff mm. um so effectively you can't be revived and we were talking a lot about kind of adversarial relationships between the user and mm. like uh, the magic item and another one i kind of think of is if you think about it like the iron man armor is a sentient item it has like an ai in it that talks to the, the user all the time yeah and a lot th- more willing to do what the user wants exactly though. yeah and so that's a way you can make it you know like when you've got a good relationship with the item that's what it can look like when it's helping you you yeah. know and it can be a meaningful character in, in that sense you know and what's great is if say say a, a player character dies wielding a magic item they have a really good connection with if another party member then picks up that item that magic item like could be grieving literally mm. for that player yeah and then there's going to be an interesting sort of picking up the pieces there like if, if one player dies and passes the sentient item on to one of the other party members and they're left with with this grieving item and they've got to grieve together that's quite interesting especially if the, that magic item has like a really important responsibility like it is a lawful good powerful item then yeah. it's like this responsibility has been thrust onto this other player to to carry out really in honor of that that dead pc let's um let's do a little plot point then if you are wanting to put in a sentient item into your game how about this how about your party comes across uh, within a dragon horde or a cave or or in a shop it can be anywhere pick a location that works best for you and pick an item that you want it to be create an adventure npc someone who has been powerful has a history and was has fallen in a long battle but prepared themselves that their soul would be transformed into the item rather than move on to existence in an attempt to rescue themselves from death and there they are trapped in that item for however long it's been and your party finds it that is your plot point your adventure quest from then on is do the party decide to help bring this person back to life? How do they do it? Who do they go and talk to? These are the things that you can do. So if you want to put a sentient item in, there you go. There's a free one for you. An adventurer who's a, a adventurer whose soul is now in this item and the party have to try and revive him. <laughs> want to make it even, in, even more intense? Here you go. I've just thought this. What if, it's the, what if it's the next big bad evil guy and they free him from his sword? I love as well, like, were you talking about the black staff? Yeah. What if the user... Uh, wielding the the staff like the, the staff decides he's not worthy but instead of unattuning for him the staff thinks well i've done this before 
I can do it again, I'm better. It tricks the user into going on a quest to release him from the staff. That's so he good. can be the new black staff. Yeah, again, that's cool. like like it's one of them that done it like two hundred years ago and is like, you know what, I can do this better than this guy. Yeah. So it doesn't undertune. But then you do it in such a way where the players don't know, they think they're getting something else. Yeah. You know, and you obviously provide opportunities to them to find out yeah. or whatever, you know. It takes some work, but it, it that's that's a good payoff. You know, that's that's a, there's all sorts of cool stuff you can do with these items. Um mm. because players don't treat them the same as they treat NPCs. They, they treat them with less suspicion because they're like, well, I'm attuned to it. It's my, it's my item. So you can do lots of trickery and, and silly stuff with, and the players are less likely. The players can't murder your magic item. Like, they can murder your NPCs, okay? You can break a magic item. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky, okay? And the, the, But here's the thing. Uh, an NPC doesn't give them plus three to all their attacks. So <laughs> <laughs> no players break in their plus three NPC is unless what I'm saying. A, unless they're a bard. Well, yeah. And then it's a potential, what, plus six? Yeah. That's pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. And I don't see any parties killing their lucky NPC bard anytime soon. <laughs> and the same goes for their magic items. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of all we got on that one, I suppose. Yeah, I think have some fun with it, think about it, but definitely, definitely do it. There's lots of options there, so go for it. Cool. All right, then. Well, we'll chat next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to us today. If you like the podcast, then do us a favour. Give us a review or a like on iTunes and Anchor. And share us with your friends. You can find us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at WeSpeakCommon. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.